And so we're going we're gonna to take some time today and dive into the Word. And so we're going to find ourselves in Genesis chapter 2, verses 15 and 16. And uh, let's read along with me. So, the, so it says, Then the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to cultivate it and keep it. The Lord God commanded the man, saying, From any tree of the garden you may freely eat. But from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in that day you eat from it, you will surely die. Then the Lord God said, It is not good for man to be alone. I will make him a helper suitable for him. So what we've been spending is the past couple of weeks at the kind of beginning 15, uh, I would say, through 16 and a little bit into 17, we've talk, been talking about the creator and the created and, and spent a couple of weeks on men and their purpose and, and design for them, right? And then we had the men's panel last week. Uh, this week, we're going to kick into the second half of our series, and we're going to start to talk about what was in the later half of those verses when we talk about women's design and hurdles and redemption and similarly a panel. And then we're going to come all together in a couple of weeks back together, and Dave is going to land us together for the gospel and how this all, this design all cultivates together for the gospel. If we go back here to Genesis 2, 18, we're going to look at this verse for just a, l- a couple minutes here, and let's understand where we're at. We're in the sixth day of creation, right? And, and God, so far, he has, hit, he has made man. In Genesis 2, we get like a, a zoom-in, if you will, view, where Genesis 1, we walk through all the days, right? And, and we spend time in Genesis 2 talking more about the sixth day. And so God, God is basically saying, watch, watch what he says here. What does he say in... Um, Let's get a, a kid, like, a real live answer on this one. So what does God usually say at the end of a day of creation? It is what? Good. Right. It is good. So what's he saying here, though? It says, then the Lord said, it is not good. Well, something in there makes me think that maybe he's not done yet, right? So, so God is, is in that day, and he's like, I'm not done yet. There's some unfinished and incomplete work, because he has not found a helpmate for Adam. It says so right there, a helper suitable for him. That is the work still left to be done in day six. Now let's break that even down a little bit further. When we look at that and we say a helper, let's get our story straight and understand what the implications are there. It is not some kind of implied or even outright belittlement. Not at all the case. I can say this with a lot of comfort. Throughout the rest of the Old Testament, this word helper is used almost every other time to talk about how God helps his people. So that is why I have absolute comfort to say that there's no belittlement here. There is power in that role of helper, right? And I, I say here, it implies that the, that the role of the helper is to give support, right? That is what we find God doing for his people throughout the Old Testament. And it's true in the New Testament too, right? What, what did Pastor Julian just open today sharing, talking about? Who caught that? Who did Jesus say he was leaving to have come? The Holy Spirit, right? In the New Testament, we see the Holy Spirit referenced many times as a helper. So that is continued, right? We see that powerful language carried throughout. It's not just in the Old Testament, which is just awesome, right? And then we get to the second part, and it says suitable for him. So I put up some other translations here, but what's important is that none of these say clone or carbon copy or just another, right? There's a distinction that there was something 
different that was needed, right? Suitable for means that there was a a mating. Now, we're just talking about helping roles here, right? There was a a difference that was needed, and not just God saying, hey, I'm just going to carbon copy Adam. Just going to make a clone of Adam, and then he's good, right? So when Adam goes on in verse, in the rest of chapter 2, he talks about God brought him all of the other ones, and they all had of their kind, of their kind. So Adam needed a helper of his kind. But again, let's, let's be careful when we talk about that. What we're not saying, again, that helper and the, the power that is within that, where we're not saying that there's any difference in equality. And we can say this if we listen. Remember, we were inside of day six. So if we go back to Genesis 1, where day six closes in chapter 1, verse 27, it says, so God created him in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. He's not placing any worth or value difference on the man and woman. He created both in his image. That's the value part there right? There's no distinction given. So now in Genesis 1, we're, we're even talking about before the fall. So if we want to talk about comparison between the Old Testament and the New Testament, we can do this before the fall and after the fall too. Because if we go to 1 Corinthians 11, we can read here, nevertheless, neither is man independent of woman, nor woman independent of man and the Lord. For as woman came from man, even so, man also comes through woman, but all things from God. Right? So, he's laying, what's being laid out here is that, again, there is distinction, but all things are coming from God. It's all pointing back to his image and the fact that we're image bearers. Right? Eric introduced this, and this is, I pulled one of the slides because I I loved it so much, I'm just going to stick it in here. It says, created in the image of God, men and women are absolutely equal in essence, dignity, and value, but are distinct by divine design. And I just, I loved Eric's phrasing there, so I wanted to pull it in here. Because we're going to walk forward from this, and that doesn't mean that we want to we wanna belittle it or say that, that it's small and we want to go and throw it out or something like that. But we're, rather, we're building on that foundation, right? So we need to say that and move on and, and keep talking on top of it, basically. So just as we spent some time unpacking headship with men, we've already talked some today about that the role of women as helpers. And we are going to talk some about submission. And I, I, I talked with Julian. We're going to talk a little bit next week too. So we'll, we'll dole it out comfortably. But we're going to talk about it here because it is so important to the design that God has. So we needn't ignore it. And we shouldn't. We should have freedom in our family, which we are, right, to talk about it. And, and I, I say that here, understanding that what I'm giving right now is the, uh, effectively, or, or it is, a monologue, right? I'm, I'm one person speaking at you for a while. But understand that the most powerful work, if there is difficulty or, or more to be done, not only can we have study, but we can also have dialogue. So I would encourage you that if this is something that you want to talk about, that when the pastors or the member of the teaching team stands up here and says, come talk with us, I'm serious that we mean it, right? You can, you can come and talk with us. You can bring your concerns and your worries, right? Not only is church a safe space, but it is our calling as pastors to meet with you guys and to talk with you. And so let's, let's do that. So as we pick up here in Ephesians 5, Paul is talking here and he says, wives submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, 
as also Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. So let's spend a minute breaking down even just this first sentence. Catch the first part. Now, I'm no English major. You could probably all figure that out by now. But what we have at the beginning here is it says wives. That's a direct address. This is two wives for a call of submission. This isn't husbands, control your wives, right? It's not that. No, no. It's a direct address stated to the women because submission, it's not, we, we've already mentioned coercion a couple of times. It's not, it's not a grab or a push for power. Submission is a, is a yield. Right? It's, a, it's a loving yield. And that's what we see here is that, that call for because we see it not just in this, but we're going to talk about it in just a minute where we see it else too. And it's also important that a lot of the times that we see submission talked about in the Bible, there's a distinction that there's a level of intimacy there between the husband and the wife. Yes, we do comfortably talk about the role of women as the helpers that we just talked about in Genesis 1, but understand that when we mention submission a decent amount of the time, when we see that between a man and a woman, it is usually given to that of a marriage relationship. And that's not to say that that role of help doesn't belong outside of that. But when we talk about the depths that we, we often struggle to think about, that that is where that is to be found in that marriage relationship. And then there's this, as to the Lord, at the end of that first sentence there, understand that the, that the call for submission, again, to the woman, isn't distinctively or only, if you will, to the man, but it is as unto the Lord. So if you will, like imagine some kind of continuum, because we see in here that man isn't, isn't without his own headship either. It says, but I want you to know that the head of every man is Christ. Thank you, Dave Ferguson. Thank you, thank you. All right, so from that, what we have right, is Dave unpacked for us that there is, there is three different relationships that were laid out there. I like that, like, public reading. We should just randomly do that more often. That was kind of fun. I was okay with that. But what we have, right, is we have God as the head of Christ, and then we have Christ as the head of man, and man as the head of woman. So when we talked about that submission earlier, understand that when that is given, the, the desire or the goal of that and the relationship that that's in is as man is submitting to Christ, right? He's not on his own out, out wandering in the woods or something like that, but it's as man is submitting to Christ as part of the submission and the beauty that is the Trinity that we talk about there in that third relationship. Now, the other thing that I kind of wanted to bring up today was this idea of, I, I, I couldn't settle between like title or position as a name, so we'll use them both, but it is, is what we see, and we can parallel this with men, but it's single hood, single women, wife and mother, certainly the latter appropriate to talk about today, I would say. Yes? Should we get one more hand clap and congratulations and appreciation for our mothers? Thank you, that was rousing. But what we want to do while we recognize Mother's Day is we want to appreciate what, what we have here, and I want to not squash the celebration that is Mother's Day, but I would, if I could, like to exhort a, a little bit of what I see when we look at the Scripture and we talk about some of these, is that in reality, 
These are something more like phases or seasons. Sure, these are names that we could be called. I mean, maybe someone doesn't yell, hey, single woman. Eh, let's not talk about that. But, but you, can have, you can have that, but we don't want to indicate that this is some kind of, you know, stair step. Oh, that would be really cool if I could just do that. This isn't some kind of stair step or, or pinnacle or escalation, if you will, or even, I dare say, that while this layout, if you would say, if you would state from single woman to wife to mother is biblical, to say that if this doesn't look like your story, that, that God can't use you, or that you shouldn't be established with God, or that he wouldn't be associated with you, but it is to say that there, I, I dare do it, there is, there is more than, than these three. And it's even to understand that while we look at these, at best, even any of these are temporary, right? At best. This is Galatians 3. It says, for you all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. I know it says sons. Just hold on for me. For as you were baptized in Christ, into Christ, have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female. You are all one in Christ. See, what the call out here is that the identity that is the foundation that we kind of talked about earlier as well, that is that of Christ, it's not wrapped up in what is important, but it's not solely prioritized as, as a single woman or a wife or a mother, but it is first stepped out and heaply defined as who we are in Christ. And then we can add those other descriptors to it, but we shouldn't use it as, as like a base definition. So I thought it was really helpful, um, or, or just really awesome, that when we talked about biblical manhood, we had that real men. Uh, if you guys remember that, and we'll, we'll put it up here again in a minute. But it, it's, it's neat. I follow a guy, uh, so I will, he helped me some with this, and I'll, I'll give him a plug. His name is Jay Holland. He has a podcast called Let's Parent on Purpose. Um, it is for parents primarily, but I would say that if you're interested in in any of, of the things that have to do with faith, he does a great job of talking about the fact that as we pour into our faith, we become better spouses, we become better parents, and so it's a, it's a great podcast. But he, he found that real men uh, very helpful, and for their church, they wanted to build something that was real women. And so um, with his, you know, permission, blessing sort of thing, we, we pulled this down here. And so we have real women rejects worldly identity, expects God greater reward, which is actually the same E, which I think is kind of neat because it shows the parallel there, acts with strength and wisdom, and loves others boldly. And so we're going to dive in here and look to understand these a, a little bit more. And so rejects worldly identity. We actually just talked some about identity, right? And so we're going to frame it out inside of our real women here. Inside of Proverbs 31, which is a great description of a godly mother and wife, but it closes with, one that, with a statement that carries none of those. It says, many daughters have done well. You excel them all. Charm is deceitful and beauty is passing, but a woman who fears the Lord shall be praised. Because she's not putting her identity on beauty Right? or anything that we just talked about that is temporary, but it says she fears the Lord. 
and she shall be praised. So when we're talking about rejecting worldly identity, it's important that we think about things that we connotate with, um, you know, both, both looks, but also worldly gain as well, right? Which kind of matches then when we look to how we define ourselves with that rejects worldly identity, and then where we go to look forward to for our reward, and that we expect God's greater reward, and that we have the mindset that is an eternal focus. In 1 Corinthians 3, and I would suggest and and encourage you to read all of chapter 3 as it relates to this, but I pulled down verses 1 through 3. It says, then, if then you are raised with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ is, sitting on the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things above, not on the things of the earth. For you died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. And so then we get to the A, and it acts with strength and wisdom. And I thought, by gosh and golly, my wife is a huge fan of Esther, and regardless of whether she is or isn't, if you read that book, you can't help but notice that Esther is an awesome biblical and powerful and a great example of a woman who runs after God. I pulled this down in chapter 4. It says, go and gather. This is Esther talking to Mordecai. Just go and gather all the Jews who are present in Shushan and fast for me. Neither eat nor drink for three days, night and day. My maids and I will fast likewise. And so I will go to the king, which is against the law. And if I perish, I perish. We're talking here about acting with strength and wisdom. And if you catch where Esther is working on or, or is gathering her wisdom from, she is looking to those around her that she has identified as trustworthy sources with Mordecai and her maidservants, but she's also spending three days fasting and spending that time with God and praying. And then she acts with strength and wisdom because she knows after spending that time together with God that she is going through with God's plan. The L is loves others boldly. In Romans 16, Paul lays out an address uh, to a number of believers in the the beginning of chapter 16, and I wanted to highlight a couple here because I felt like it was incredibly timely. Paul opens chapter 16, and he says, I commend to you, Phoebe, our sister, who is a servant of the church in Conchera, that you may receive her in the Lord in a manner worthy of the saints. Assist her in whatever busyness, whatever business she has need for you. For indeed, she has been a helper, helper of many, and of myself also. Right? Effectively, Paul is saying, my girl Phoebe gets stuff done. And she is working hard for the church, providing herself as a helper to many, myself included. And so we go on in verse 3, and we get introduced to Priscilla and Aquila, who I'm going to just talk about a little bit, and I know that Dave is going to pick up when we talk about together for the gospel, about how they're working together. So we talked about Phoebe and how she is working, and there's no mention of a a husband or a man along with her. And so we have that example. We don't know, but we have that example. And so then here we see Priscilla working side by side with Aquila. Well, let's check out some of the gentle work that they're doing. It says, My fellow workers in Christ, Jesus, who risk their own necks, to whom not only I give thanks, but also all of the churches of the Gentiles. Priscilla is part of those loving others boldly, right? Paul literally says, who risk their own necks for my life. Like, that sounds pretty bold. 
We, we saw Esther earlier kind of doing the similar thing. Uh, so I have some other references here, kind of in the same thing. If you want to check out where else we see Priscilla and Aquila working together, you can, you can check out Acts 18, 1 Corinthians 16, and 2 Timothy as well. And there's some references there of the work that they're doing. And so we've built this, this groundwork, if you will, of real women, real biblical women. And so you may find yourself asking like, well, where, where do we see them taking action then? Or how does this look like in execution? And we talk about, if you will, spheres of ministry. So it's, you know, sort of the range of of where these women are affecting. And so we're not going to go into these. I am going to provide them as resources because I encourage that, that what we have as a teaching on a Sunday morning shouldn't stand by itself because nothing can be consumed across this time frame that really you want to not just hinge on a single teaching, but, but take it home and pour over it. And I provide some additional material here. But the idea is to lay out that there is an individual nature and I say that only to express the necessary work of, of effectively preaching the gospel to yourself daily. And that we talked about a little earlier is that it's not necessarily mandated on anyone but you and your relationship with God. So that individual sphere, you need to minister to yourself, right? And then as the real woman, real biblical women do that, then we see things like Proverbs 31 and Joshua 6. Joshua 6. That's Rahab. And so we're not going to get into the story of Rahab. Suffice to say that even Hebrews 11 in the Hall of Faith calls out Rahab as a woman who was committed and had deep faith. And by doing so, she affects her whole family because she saves them from Joshua at the Battle of Jericho, right? That right there is a woman stepping out and affecting her home and her family. And so then, as we, as we look at the church, we talked a little bit already about Romans 16, and there's also a great example, it's more general, and it doesn't list names, but it, then it gives uh, attributes and steps to do in Titus 2, where it talks about older women discipling younger women. So there's, there's these necessary roles in the church for women to be having. And then in the world as well, we talked about Esther and the effect that she had and then also in Acts 18 uh, was one of, the, one of the places where we pointed out about Priscilla and Aquila, but this is a summary of, a, of a, several missionary activities that is going on, several of which are being done by women. And so we see at every point in turn in these different spheres the necessary and the needed and the good godly role of women being done. And I would say that even if we want to get very real and bring it down to here and this church and myself, that I have been time and time again supported by my pastors, but I would be shamefully embarrassed if I didn't point out that I've also been loved and I have, I have learned as I have watched them that their wives are awesome. And I didn't put this in because I had them review it and so I snuck it in afterwards. But I love these women, not just because they love me and they're awesome to me, but they are awesome women. And there are others outside of them, and I don't want to embarrass anyone or leave anyone out, but I would say that it is awesome when you see this worked out and when you get affected by it. Oh, it is awesome. So it's just my encouragement that as we look to what real men and what real women are defined from the Bible, that we today sit and we could say, men, we look at you, 
and we just had a whole teaching on biblical womanhood. You say, men, grab hold of this as you interact with and have sisters in Christ, whether they be wives or mothers or daughters, but it, it doesn't even stop there. All sisters in Christ, and we can help support this. And then ladies, I just encourage you to look through this and to other biblical, biblical examples of womanhood to form your foundations and use that as the source of truth that you establish your identity and your purpose on, the truth and the Word of God. Bow with me, please, and let's pray. Father God, we thank you. We thank you because you provided us with, first you designed us, God, and then you, you left us with your awesome Word and that describes the design and the care in which you gave for us, God, and, and you, you provided us your helper and the Holy Spirit, God, and your Son, Jesus Christ, God, as example, examples of relationships, God, and, and in your word we see real men and real women of the Bible that are indeed flawed, but as they chase after your design, God, and look to meet you and how you get a hold of their lives, God, and how we look to do the same with ours. Amen.